This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, hey, New Life. Today we're going to be continuing in the series called Why Jesus? And last week, Ron kicked it off, and we really looked at some of the historical evidence that tells us Jesus was real. Like He wasn't simply a legend. He was legitimately a real person who did amazing, incredible things. And, and today, as we continue looking at this question of Jesus and the significance that he can have in our life, we're, we're going to take a look at who he thought he was, some of the claims that he made in life. Because when we look at who Jesus is, it has incredible implications for us in our story today. And so we're going to dive in as we continue in this series together. And and so we see this conversation Jesus has with his first followers in Matthew 16. And, and Jesus is just asking with them. He's been kind of on the public scene for a while. And, and he just asks them this simple question. He says, who, who do people say that I am? And so his first followers say, like, well, what we're hearing on the street is some people think you're John the Baptist. Come back, which would have been weird because John was Jesus's older cousin. They lived at the same time. But some people thought that maybe John had somehow come back in the person of Jesus. And, and other people, they said, think that you're one of the prophets from long ago who's returned to restore us or bring us back into a right relationship with God. And, and then Jesus asked them the simple question to his first followers. He says, Okay, but who do you say I am? I mean, that, that's, a, that's an incredible question to, to wrestle with, to think about, because how we answer that question is significant for our lives today, just like it was significant for their lives back then, because that question still matters. Who do you and I say that Jesus is? If you were asking us that question today, what, what would we say? How would we answer? Because how we answer that question shapes how we respond to Jesus in our story now. And I think it's still an important question that we can wrestle with. And, and it's a question that almost every year, it seems like it gets asked again and again through popular magazines or articles that people are wrestling with the historical Jesus and who was this man and who, who impacted so much of human history. And, and there are some popular answers that are fairly common in our culture today. So the question, who is Jesus? Some people would say, well, I, I think that Jesus was, was a good person who, who taught us some really great things on how to live a good kind of life. And, and that's a great answer because I think that's some of what Jesus did for sure. And, and, and yet other people would say that maybe are, are a little bit more spiritually minded that think there's more to life than simply the physical reality we're caught up in. Well, they, they would say that, well, I, that, that maybe Jesus was, was a prophet or, or, or an enlightened human being who, who knew some of life's deepest truths. And, and again, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a good answer because it captures some of who Jesus is. But oftentimes when, when somebody answers the question, who is Jesus like that? He, he was a good person or an enlightened human. Well, what they would mean is that that's all that he was. That, that he was just a good human, a good person, or just an enlightened human being who came to show us some of life's deepest truths. And, and, and if that's all that Jesus was, well, well then I, I guess Jesus could be a good life coach for us, a, a good spiritual mentor of sorts, somebody who did have tips to show us how to live a, a kind of moral life. But, but if that's all that he was, then he's certainly not what some people have claimed him to be. 
the, the savior of the world, uh, God's rescuer, God's response to the human condition, to the brokenness that we find ourselves in, the hope of the world who's come into our story to, to rescue us and heal us and restore us and bring us back to right relationship with God. Like, like if Jesus was just a good human, a good person, an enlightened teacher, then he, he certainly can't help us in that sense of being a savior in our story. He could maybe point us along the right path or share some good things with us. And, and yet what's fascinating, I think the really good news of Jesus, the reason why we always say there's good news when we discover who he is, is, is that Jesus actually claimed to be that, to be the savior of the world, to be the person that God had sent to restore us and, and bring us back into life with God. And, and when you look at what Jesus taught, you look at the things that he said, you quickly discover that he said some remarkable things about life and about himself. Like he said things that someone who was just a good person or a good teacher or just an enlightened human wouldn't say because they would know these things couldn't be true about themselves. See, Jesus didn't simply teach us a way to live or point us on a good path to follow for life. Jesus actually claimed to be the way and be the path that we could embrace in order to have life. And, and so in one of his conversations with his first followers, Jesus says these epic words. In John 14, 6, Jesus says this. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Man, that, that's a serious statement. And, and at first blink, it, it can sound kind of narrow that, that Jesus would say something like this. And, and in a sense, it, it is narrow in that it's a truth claim. And anytime anyone makes a truth claim, it's narrow in that it's either true or it's not true. And, and so what we need to wrestle with is not whether or not the claim is narrow. What we need to wrestle with is whether or not the claim is true. And yet Jesus shared these words, not because he was trying to be narrow or exclusive. He shared these words because he was offering hope to his first followers because they were wrestling with him about things that he was teaching about where he was about ready to go to the cross and he was preparing them for what was about to happen. And he said, but don't worry, I go to prepare a place for you and you know the way to the place that I'm going and I'm going to return. And, and his first followers were like, Jesus, we don't know where you're going. We don't know how to find the way to the Father. And so Jesus says these words because he wants them to understand, hey, no, you have found it. You found me. I'm in your story now. And because you found me, you know the way, you know the truth, you know life because it's me. And so Jesus offers these words as words of hope and invitation to anyone who would want to lean in and discover more about life because of who he is. And so it's important that we, we wrestle with the question, man, who is Jesus? Because there are implications for our life. And when we look at Jesus' life and what he taught us, we realize some unique things about Jesus. Like when Jesus taught, his teachings were incredibly centered on himself. And so here's what I mean. Let's just look at a few things that Jesus said because you begin to realize that Jesus didn't simply teach good things. He taught things that were central to our understanding of him and needing to wrap our lives around him if we wanted to grab onto it. And so listen, this, listen to what Jesus says here in John 6, 35. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. 
And whoever comes to me will never grow hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. What Jesus is saying is that if you're looking for fulfillment in life, you find it in who I am. I've come to fulfill you, the deepest longings of your life. I've come to complete you. Jesus says something else, again, one of these I am kind of statements in John 8, 12. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Again, the the implication of what Jesus is saying here is if you want to know the truth, you want to know illumination about reality, I will show you the truth about life and God and who you are. I've come to reveal this to you. And again, Jesus is something incredible. In another, another, another moment of teaching, in John 11, 25 through 26, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And again, an incredible claim. What Jesus is saying is that if you want to find life, like life everlasting, eternal life, You find it in me and who I am. And this is just a sampling of some of the things that Jesus said, but we see that his teachings were incredibly centered on himself, not just on some tips or or like he's not just giving TED Talks on how to have a good life. He's saying, no, the life that you're looking for is found in who I am. And and if we're going to take Jesus seriously, we should probably pause and ask a question. Who says stuff like this? I mean, can you, can you imagine if we were hanging out with a mutual friend and we just got together to hang out, so we're sitting at Brewster's and just catching up on life, and, and then this mutual friend of ours began to say things like this, like they began to say things like, hey, just so you know, all that fulfillment that you're longing for in life, you're going to find it in me because, hey, I'm the bread of life. And I know you're trying to figure out the, the truth of reality and, and how all of intricacies of life works. Well, don't worry, I'm the light of the world, so I'll show all that to you. Or, hey, I know you wrestle with the question of life and death, and is there something beyond that? And do we have the hope of something that, that we can find? Don't worry. I'm eternal life. Like, I'm the resurrection life. You founded him. If our friends started talking to us like that, I think we would say, like, who do you think you are? And I think that's a beautiful thing that we, we wrestle with with Jesus. I think a great question to ask is, Jesus, who do you think you are? I mean, you're asking us, who do we think you are? Jesus, who do you think you are? And as we begin to lean in and wrestle with Jesus, we realize he made some incredible claims about himself and his identity. You see, it wasn't simply that his teachings were incredibly centered on himself. Jesus also made claims about who he understood himself to be, claims about being in proximity to God that were unique to what he thought about himself. And and Jesus made claims about his identity. And some of these claims seriously upset the people in his day because they understood what he was claiming. I mean, one of those claims that Jesus makes about his identity in himself is this, that, that Jesus claimed God's name for himself. And so there's this conversation Jesus is having with some of his fellow Jewish people in the day, and, and they're trying to figure out who Jesus is and what power or, or authority he's operating in. And, and they're, they're trying to say, okay, you come and teach us this stuff, but you know, our father Abraham, Abraham, the founder of the Jewish family, the Jewish faith, you know, taught us some things about God. And, and then Jesus is saying like, yeah, like Abraham was excited to see my day. He actually saw my day and he was looking forward to it. Meaning that Abraham knew me and Abraham lived centuries before. And, and so they're confused by this. And in John eight fifty seven, that this is the dialogue they're having. And the people said this to Jesus, Jesus, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? 
And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. And then Jesus just stops his sentence right there with that weird phrase, I am. And I'm like, Jesus, what do you mean before Abraham was born, I am? And, and Jesus isn't like using bad grammar. Jesus is actually trying to make a point. And the point he's making is that I'm much bigger than you thought. I existed at the time of Abraham. In fact, I existed long before Abraham. Because when Jesus says the words, I am, he's actually claiming God's name for himself. And we see this in one of the ancient stories of God interacting throughout history with the human race. And when God shows up and meets with a man named Moses, he wants to utilize Moses to to go on a rescue mission for his people that had been living in slavery and bondage in Egypt. And I don't know if you saw the movie or the cartoon, but that moment when, when God, God meets Moses in the burning bush and says, Moses, I want you to go to Egypt, say, let my people go. We read about this in the story in Exodus 34. And, and, it, and Moses is saying, well, okay, God, like, but who do I say has sent me? Like, who do I tell the people is, is the one? Like, who are you, God? And, and God says to Moses, this is my name. I am. Tell them that I am has sent you. It's a fascinating name. There's so many theological and philosophical implications. Like when God says his name is I am, like he's the only being in all of reality who is self-existing. We could spend years just wrapping our minds around that. But the point in this moment is that here's Jesus in this dialogue with his people in his day. And he says that he is God. He's claiming God's name for himself. I am. And they understood the implications of this. Look at their response in John 8, 59. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him because Jesus was claiming God's name for himself. But Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. And if there was ever a moment where Jesus could have cleared things up, oh wait, no, no, you've misunderstood what I meant. I meant like I am, I'm happy to be here with you. But he didn't because he was claiming God's name for himself and they understood it. There's another, another moment where Jesus makes this incredible claim that's, that's a claim that only God had the right to do. Jesus actually claimed the right to forgive sins in this world. So all the wrong and brokenness in a person's story, Jesus claimed the right that he could forgive that. And so we see this story in Mark chapter 2. And Jesus has come into the, 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 the town where he was at and teaching, and he'd gone into a house, and people were gathered to, to hear what he had to say, and it was so crowded that you couldn't even like, squeeze in anymore. And, and some guys came bringing their buddy who was paralyzed from birth because they knew if they could get him to Jesus... They heard Jesus had done these wonderful things and that maybe Jesus could heal their buddy, but they couldn't get to Jesus through the crowd. And so they go up on the roof, they dig a hole in the roof, and they lower their paralyzed friend down to Jesus in front of this room filled with people. And when Jesus sees them, he says something incredible. In Mark chapter 2, verse 5, it said that when Jesus saw their faith, so the collective faith of the friends doing this for Jesus, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. What an interesting thing to say. Because in this moment, the expectation is that Jesus would say, I heal you. Like that's what they were hoping for. But instead, Jesus says, hey, I, I forgive your sins. And, and it's such a, an odd thing to say. Like, what, what do you mean you forgive his sins? Like, and, and it's a weird phrase. It would be one thing if Jesus says, hey, I forgive you for that thing you did to me. Like maybe somehow this guy gave Jesus a dirty look. I mean, we, we don't know, but that's not what Jesus says. He says, I forgive your sins. Like anything you've ever done in your life that was broken choices that, that led to pain and suffering in this world, I forgive you for all of that. That's bizarre. 
Like, so think about this. Let, let's say like I had wronged you in your story at some point in time and you choose to forgive me. It would be so appropriate for you to say to me, Joel, I forgive you for that thing you did to me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm setting you free from the consequences of it. I'll, I'll absorb the pain in my own story and we'll, we'll move forward together. Like that would be an appropriate thing if you choose to do it. But it would be a totally different thing if you said, Joel, I forgive you for everything you've ever done in your life that has hurt anyone else. Like what right would you have to do that? And so here's Jesus saying to this guy, that's what I'm doing for you. I'm forgiving your sins. And, and there were some religious people that were in the room that caught this. And they were like, what is he doing? And so the story goes on and it says, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And they're absolutely right because this is something that God said only he had the right to do. In the ancient books we have in the recordings of scripture, in Isaiah 43, 25, God says that he's the only one who has the right to blot out our sins. Like God's the only one who's big enough to deal with our brokenness and offer the forgiveness that we need. And so they're right to say this. Like, what, Jesus, who do you think you are to say this? And so Jesus understood that this is what they're wrestling with. And so in, the, the story continues in verse 8. It says that immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. He said to these guys, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? And it's a rhetorical question he's asking them. Obviously, it's easier to say something like your sins are forgiven because there's no immediate effect of, of results. But to say something like, get up your mat and, and walk, you have to actually prove you have the power to do that. So Jesus could just simply be saying whatever he wants, but he's like, no, I want you to understand I have the right to do this. I have the right to forgive sins. So he goes on and he says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man, this title he took for himself, I want you to know that I have the authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And he got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. And so here's Jesus making incredible claims about his identity, taking God's name for himself, claiming the right to forgive our sins. And, and anyone who talks like this is making some big claims about who they think they are. And so Jesus' question is such an important question to wrestle with when Jesus says, who do you say I am? And it's an, it's an important question to wrestle with because Jesus is either telling us the truth or he's not. And if he's not telling us the truth, then he's either straight up lying to us or he's off his rocker. And so I think what we have to do is wrestle with, well, what, what makes more sense? What makes more sense that Jesus might actually be telling us the truth as incredible as it may sound? Or no, it actually makes more sense that he was lying to us or it makes more sense that he was not right in the head, not playing with a full deck. And, and I don't think it makes sense when we look at Jesus' life. I, I don't think it makes sense that Jesus was crazy, that he wasn't in his right mind. I mean, first of all, why would he not have been dismissed as a madman back in his day as people began to interact with him? Like, obviously, there were some that rejected him because they didn't like him, but, but those who were closest to him were continually amazed by him. Yet if Jesus wasn't in his right head, the closer you got to him, the more you'd be like, this guy's cuckoo, like, let, let's step back. But they didn't. They kept stepping in because they found him to be amazing. But also, I don't think it makes sense that Jesus would be crazy because 
Why have his life and words had such lasting impact in our world? I mean, if Jesus was a madman, then he would be at best a footnote in history. But he's the turning point in history. The words of a madman wouldn't have had that impact in, in our world and in our history. So I don't think it would make sense as we look at his life to, to, to dismiss him as somebody who was not right in the head. So would it make sense that maybe he was just lying to us? Well, again, when we look at his life, I don't think it would make sense to see Jesus as being a liar. I mean, for, first of all, why did he claim something that ultimately led to his death? That wasn't very smart on his part. When you look at the motivation people have for lying, like whenever you've lied or I've lied, there's basically two motivations for why we would lie. One of those motivations would be to gain something that wasn't rightfully ours. The other motivation would be to get out of trouble because of something we've done. And, and yet you look at the claims that Jesus made, they only got him in trouble and ultimately cost him his life. And so if he was lying, maybe he was trying to get a best-selling book, who knows? But if he was lying, he wasn't very bright. And he had plenty of moments to say, to clarify things like, no, 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 you've misunderstood me. But he took that lie all the way to the cross. If he was lying, it makes no sense. But also, why did his lie not die with him? Again, if he was lying, then everything he said, all the claims he made would have died with him. But instead, something incredible happened on the other side of that cross. Everything he claimed carried on through the life of his first followers with greater impact because they experienced something on the other side of that. And so that leaves us with the alternative. As crazy as it might seem, that he might actually be telling us the truth. Oh, and, and if Jesus is telling us the truth about who he is, then we found the one who can lead us into life. We found the one who says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Which means that in Jesus we found what we're looking for if we're trying to find something more than what we see in life as it is. And so how, how can we know with a greater degree of confidence? I mean, how, how can we discover for ourselves if Jesus really is who he claimed to be and can do for us what he said he could do. Well, I think there's maybe a couple of ways that we can press in and begin to discover for ourselves the truth of what Jesus said about who he was. I think one of those ways is that we can weigh the evidence of Jesus' greatest claim. So in his day, Jesus was challenged often. And, and at one point he was challenged. We see this taking place in John chapter 2. He was challenged by the religious leaders in his day, and they said, like, but what, what, what power, what authority do you have to, to do the things that you're doing? What miraculous sign can you give us, Jesus, to prove that you are who you say you are? And, and what Jesus said was, hey, destroy this temple, and a few days later, I will raise it again. Now, in that moment, they thought he was talking about the physical temple in Jerusalem, but what Jesus was referring to was his physical life. So, Jesus, what's the ultimate claim you can give us, the proof? What's the ultimate proof to the claims you've made that you can give us? And, and what Jesus would say is, after I've been killed, I will not stay dead. I will come back. I will be resurrected to life. And that's how you can know. And, and so one of the things that we can begin to do is to weigh the evidence of that claim. To look at the stories around the first century where Jesus died and something happened a few days later. And we're going to explore this one in greater depth in the coming teaching in this series. But man, that's something that we can do. 
That's kind of what makes the whole Christian story unique amongst other world religions is that it hinges on an historical event. So if Jesus actually rose from the dead, whoa, I'm going to listen to this guy. I'm going to lean in and want to let him lead me. But that's one of the ways we can begin to discover for ourselves. But here's another way we can begin to discover for ourselves if Jesus is actually telling us the truth. And it's an experiential journey with him in which we would give Jesus a chance to show up in our lives. And I would just encourage you, wherever you're at in this journey of, of, of seeking and exploring, give Jesus a chance to show up in your life. Like if Jesus is intriguing to you, if you, you find him to be a fascinating figure and you're wondering if the things that he said have implications for your life, then I would encourage you to lean in and explore more about who he is. Begin to study his life for yourself. Get a hold of a Bible or download a, a great app called YouVersion, Y-O-U Version. It's a free, free app that has all, all sorts of um, translations of the Bible in English that you could look at and look at his life. Read the stories of his life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and ask him to begin to show himself to you. you. You've got nothing to lose in asking Jesus to show up in your story and potentially everything to gain if you come to this conclusion in your own thing of saying, I think you are who you say you are. There's this beautiful invitation that we see in one of the Psalms, in Psalm 34, 8, and it goes like this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I love that because this experiential invitation where it's like Jesus saying, hey, come and see for yourself if I am who I say I am. Begin to follow me and walk with me. Ask me to work in your story and see if I will show up. And I love that because there's a, chance, there's a sense in which we can look at the evidence and, and have an intellectual understanding, but we can also begin to engage relationally and experientially and see if God, if Jesus is going to work in our stories. And it's this like, taste and see for yourself. My oldest daughter has inherited her grandmother's cookie recipe and she makes these epic chocolate chip cookies. She's just mastered this recipe. And, and, and I think for me, there's this sense in which I think exploring Jesus is kind of like whether or not I'm going to enjoy these cookies that my daughter can make. Here, here's what I mean. When she starts baking and putting it together, like this aroma begins to fill her home. And this aroma begins to, to permeate everywhere we're at. And, and I can smell it. And if I'm sitting in the other room, I, really, I have a choice. I, I can explore some more. Hey, this thing I'm smelling, it, it smells pretty good. I can go and see for myself if, if it's real, if there's something there. And, and as I begin to walk towards the kitchen, as she's got the cookies that I see for myself, there they are. And, and if I grab one and take a bite, I begin to experience for myself the goodness of what she's baked up for us. And I think it can be the same way with Jesus. This invitation, taste and see for yourself if he's good. Lean in and explore and ask him to show up in your story. And I think this is such a great offer that Jesus puts in front of us because each of us is offered this beautiful invitation to experience the goodness of Jesus for ourselves. And so give Jesus a chance to show up in your life. And see for yourself if he is really who he said he was. And if he can begin to do something new in your life. And so I want to I pray for you. I want to pray for us in this moment. And I just want to invite you to, to, to pray along with me in this space. And, and it's a simple prayer of beginning to, to lean into who Jesus is. And, and so let's pray this together. And, and so we can pray this. Like, Jesus, you ask us the question, 
Who do you say I am? And so Jesus, help us to not take that question lightly or to simply dismiss you or to try to diminish you into something less than who you are, but to seriously take into consideration what you have claimed. And so Jesus, if you've got the goods, if you are who you say you are, would you show up in my story? Would you begin to reveal yourself to me? And would you begin to do something new in my life? And friends, I, just, I want to encourage you, make that your prayer every day and watch what he can do. See for yourself that he is good. And so let's continue leaning in together. I'm excited for the, the, the teachings that are coming up in this series that we have yet to do. I think it's going to be fun as we chase after this question together, why Jesus? But as we continue in our service right now, I just want to invite you, this next song that we're going to do, lean in and, and maybe let the song help shape, shape your life and what you want to see Jesus doing in your story because He has a life for you. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.